Hello and welcome back to another Musicpreneur Movement episode. This is your host, Eddie V. Hope you had a great weekend. Today on the show, we have a really fun guest, John Tinger. I really enjoyed our time together. John has been in the industry for 20 plus years. He started out in a heavy metal band and has transitioned now into classical guitar. And we'll talk a little bit about that and how he overcame a neurological disease through the use of music and a few other things and also how he teaches people, different musicians, how to get out of their head and start finding their identity and bringing that out through the music. So hopefully you take some notes and enjoy the episode with John. Cue the intro. Have you ever looked in the mirror and wondered, yikes, I thought I'd be way farther ahead of my music career by now? If so, you're not alone. I spent the last few years learning from the most ingenious musicians and managers around, looking for the answers. The problem is that music is a very personal thing and the fear of rejection was holding me back, and you can probably relate to that. I realized that no one was talking about their failures and rejections in the music business, just the glory and fame. So I decided to press the reset button and start this whole music thing over, to go all out, build a music career completely from scratch. But the real question is, how will I do it? Join me on my journey as we get to the deep questions with our guests that no one cares to ask to reveal the secret strategies and techniques to skyrocket your music career and begin to shake up the music industry as we know it. My name is Eddie Villaseca, and this is Musicpreneur Movement Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. Today on the show, we have a music entrepreneur, an avid improviser of instrumental guitar and piano, and he has an interesting story about being cured from a neurological disorder. So welcome, John. How are you doing, John? Great. Thank you for having me on the show. Of course. All right. So for the, you know, many listeners might not know about you, tell us a little more about how you got into music, how you started, and what's brought you here. Great question. It all started back when... I was eight years old, of course, and I won't tell the whole the whole timeline. I'm going to start with that being the time when I started. I was about eight, and I saw a girl across the street from me. She was like five years old, or like 13, or whatever. I had a guitar. I was like, Mom, Mom, I want a guitar. Ever since that day, I just fell in love with it. I remember spending hours, even when I was eight or nine years old, I'm 52 years young, practicing for hours. And Cut to my teens and 20s. I started off with heavy metal. I was a metalhead, like thrash metal. And I wanted to death metal and speed metal. And this is funny when people hear what I do now, which is the exact opposite of that. Uh-huh. It's heavy, heavy, heavy mellow. I heard that from a friend of mine. <laughs> Good. Uh, but I was in death metal bands and everything for years from the early, nine, yeah, early 90s, late, late 80s, early 90s. I was actually the heyday of... of death metal if any of your music fans are into death metal i was in a band called crossfade not not the real real big one that was like kind of poppy metal sounding but we were uh crossfade from long island i was in that band for three years and actually right now i'll have no involvement with them they're actually getting popular now suddenly because the internet people are wanting the music so somebody in Spain, a record label picked up my old Crossfade band. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
So I played in, in death metal bands, thrash metal bands for years, and I would, and that was my thing. And even when I was playing metal in, in groups, when I was at home, I would always listen to classical or, or kind of like new age, or more mellow acoustic stuff. I never really played it because I didn't have good acoustic guitars if I loved listening to it. So here's the most important thing. That I, I mean, I want to share with anybody who's a musician, anybody who's an artist, a comedian, anything that has to do with being creative is knowing one's identity, uh, knowing who we are. I mean, knowing our environment is very important. Where we like to live, the people we like to be around, the aesthetics we like to be around defines whether we will feel a state of wholeness. And this, and this is something that I've always been very sensitive to. And I even started a Facebook page, a private group, that I'll be selective about inviting people to who musicians and mm -hmm. artists who want to learn about the creative identity because I'm being raw of me, than me. I like to fish, I like to hunt, uh, I like to play my, you know, my guitar, and uh, I'm a wildlife artist too, landscape artist. It's all congruent. It's all a matter of knowing who I am. So at, at the end of this story, you're going to hear how it all relates to the overcoming of the condition. I really didn't have, I, I had a purpose when I was in middle band, you know, I always wanted to be. A musician i guess my spirit knew that what got you interested so out of all the different types of music what drew you towards metal what got me into it mm -hmm. uh, i don't remember i was playing metallica and slayer uh, i started mellower with uh, led zeppelin jimmy page and acdc my jimmy page influence comes out in my playing now i didn't even realize this some of my rush and Pink floyd I, I didn't realize, but my Zeppelin influence when I was like 11, 12 comes out through the playing. It's funny. Basically, one of my pieces that I wrote on is Stairway to Heaven re redid. It's all the same chords. I'm, I mean, some key A minor. I'm like not thinking of it when I'm improvising, but it's the subconscious. The feeling is inside. But we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, I don't really know what got me into it. I, I think a friend plays some music and I was like, yeah, that's cool when we were teenagers. And I always was rebellious. I didn't want to do what other people did. And I wasn't part of the in crowd in school. I was more like the loner, nerd guy, whatever. But I pretty much kept it myself. And so what happened back in 19, I'm going to give you a chronological timeline now, 1991 to 94 is when I was in Crossfade. And we played all over. We played in, I mean, not all over the world, but we played the whole, like some areas in the east coast regionally long island new jersey we did a gig up in maine virginia and we had fans all around the world back then we didn't we didn't have internet actually they had what's known as fanzines some of the older guys that you interview would know this they're literally fanzine like newspaper fanzines so i did that for three years and then all of a sudden i started feeling this uneasy feeling i was I wasn't feeling right uh, there's actually one of the, the straw that broke the camel's back was this, this girl I had the hospital and I was depressed about it and like I wouldn't tell her I was like, like afraid and I was in a, a smoky club one night and, and this was like in February of 1994 and I was like this is it I gotta get out of the band so I left the band what did I do when I left the band I started fishing all the time get back get back to my environment I've never been one. Everybody's different. I've never been one to like to be around lots of crowds of people, around a concrete jungle all the time, and it just took my energy for me. 
I would go fishing every day and I was just happy. I was out there night fishing with stripers all around or bluefish, you know, whatever. And I would just smell the air and just be free. And I just felt so much better. I still was doing music every now and then with another metal band. I was, it wasn't like something totally serious. I got in with like a New York hardcore band. Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with bands like uh, Agnostic Front or Biohazard. Sheer terror, sick of it all, kind of stuff, kind of like that. My friends, I was in the band with, with guys like that for a little, for a little while, just nothing serious like Crossfade. And that was in 1995, 96. 1996. It was in April. I totally stopped playing music. I thought I had no musical bone left in my body. This, I'm going to get to the, the, the illness thing. This is all, it all led up to it. There, there's something to learn from this. I'm still learning from the perspective of divine purpose. Everybody has a purpose. We are created to engage, carry out, achieve. All right. So I just totally stopped. And I'm thinking, what's up? It just didn't feel right. The leather jackets and the image and the, it's just, it wasn't right. Being around people all the time wasn't right. I just felt this pulling and act pulling to just be closer, you know, closer to, to the creator, closer to, the, to who I am. And actually right now I've been in that same state right now when I totally quit music and have no interest, but I'm not quitting music. I know my purpose. I know I discovered what it is. When we separate from who we really are and we start going down different paths, you know, we feel it. We, a lot of people don't, realize what's going on in their bodies they're not that self-aware it's a also self it's all about self-awareness and listening to the feelings in your body and being sensitive to to the thoughts you think and the actions you take and, and then observing the patterns that occur so i knew that something wasn't feeling right and then that's when i just totally stopped and i just was felt like man i needed to not neglect the other side of me and that's going outdoors but it wasn't so much to be outdoors it was there is me connecting to to God, the Creator. I mean, I, that's what I believe in. And uh, I mean, everybody is created. I'm not getting religious here. I'm not talking about it from a religious perspective. I mean, look, if you take imagine this metaphor for a while ago. Imagine a, a lion walking up to a deer and telling the deer, "Hey, deer." You're stupid. You're eating grass. You're supposed to eat rabbits and animals. And then the deer's like, really? I mean, it sounds funny, but I'm making a parable. And this parable applies to human existence. Really? And the deer tries doing it, tries catching animals. Eventually, over time, he gets burnt out, tired, he gets frustrated, he can't do it. Then all of a sudden, the deer, the deer's going to run into a, uh, he runs into a turtle sitting on the, the side of a pond. And then the turtle tells the deer, hey there, deer, you're supposed, don't you know you're supposed to hang out in the water and go swimming long periods of time? Deer do swim, but so the deer's like, really? Yeah, you're supposed to eat fish too. You'd be out there catch fish. So the deer's like, okay, deer tries to go and catch fish, and the deer almost drowns. Somehow it makes it back to the shore, mm -hmm. and then deer's listless. The deer's burnt out. Doesn't feel good. All of a sudden, disease comes upon the deer. You see the point where I'm getting at? Listening to other animals. That's a great parable just popped into my head and it was up one day. People do the same thing. They tend to listen to other people about what to do. Musicians tend to think, we have to do this. We have to do that. We have to follow this one. Oh, you have to get an agent. Or you need 
this, or you need that. I live right near Nashville, an hour and 20 minutes. Talk about pre-programmed cookie cutter mentality about music. I mean, I mean, that's just, I mean, that's the culture. That's the way it is. You, you see all the songwriters sounding just like everybody else. They're trying to do this. Oh, trying to be like him, be like him. Yes, modeling's okay. But when there's this cookie cutter paradigm you fit into, you never really blossom to become who you are. You tend to lose a case of originality. And it's in, in business and in creativity and music. All right, disease time, get to that. The, the grand miracle. Nine years, I didn't even think I had music left in my spirit. I would put the radio on just for background noise. But I always said numerous times, if I, or a few times, when I'd be riding with someone in their vehicle and they were playing the radio and I heard some instrumental music, I said, back of my mind, if I ever had a nice guitar one day and I ever get back into music, that's what I would do. It was something in here I felt. I felt it. It was weird. I couldn't explain it. And then all of a sudden, uh, back in 19, no, it wasn't 19, it was 2005. I'm cutting years ahead, is when I got back into doing my acoustic music. After hearing numerous times the nice instrumental stuff, my spirit knew I would be getting back into it doing that, doing the instrumental, all through tunings. So, and that's so quick pause real quick that's really what you just said that's really important tying it back to the identity tying it back to the parable that you talked about there are a lot of people that i've met that they are working a corporate job or working you know some other thing and yeah because they think that's the progression of life they're like hey i'm supposed to go to college I'm yeah so just try out music for a little bit and then but really in the end i need to find a job in an office and slowly you know they keep having that call back to music but they kind of mute it i've worked with people while well, ask them I'm like hey how's your day going like what do you wish you could be doing because most of them say eh, it's going okay and then I'm yeah. like, okay well what do you what would you want to do and they're like music i would you know i wish i could do this i wish i could do all these other things and they're not really listening to those things because they've been programmed to follow a certain pattern and it kind of relates to what you're saying yeah. You know, you mentioned you kept hearing it, you kept feeling it, like you were going to come back to it. That's, I mean, that's really important, like you were saying. Yeah. And I can get very deep on that. I mean, we, you only have limited time, but I can give you, if you ever want another podcast, deeper perspective mm -hmm. and interviews on, on following the world patterns. But this is all tied into how I got healed. Here's what happened. So, bad relationship got me back into music because what happened is every time I would go to someone's house and I didn't feel like playing guitar, I wasn't into music at the time. I didn't even think it was musical inside. Oh, it gets even better. It gets better when I go on with the story. The most amazing thing that musicians can discover, it gets better. I was in this relationship and every now and then we go to like a friend's house and there'd be a guitar sitting around. Say, John, play guitar. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't feel like it. I wasn't the guitar. And then they test me and I, you know, I couldn't resist. Pick up a guitar, roll rusty string, junky guitar. Except one place that went was a beautiful guitar, which the guy would give it to me. And that was before I got back into music. You know, if I was before I was in music, if I go to someone's house and there's a guitar sitting around a corner, I'd pick it up and do go around. But I didn't feel it in there yet. It wasn't developed. I picked up the guitar and I played. And she said, "You man, you're great. Every everybody would hear me and like be amazed by my playing." And I'm not being conceited. Because I'm thinking back in my head, I hadn't played in nine years to Rusty. It's, it's just, what the heck are they talking about? And the struggle broke and came back when the ex-girlfriend said, man, you never play, you should play. And I'm like, wait, 
my girlfriend wanted me to play guitar and I'm letting her down. I'm not playing. And I'm like, wow, I got to play guitar again. But ever since that, I got into it. And then I was 37 at the time. And I said to myself, and I was sitting in a field one day, oh my God, I've got no direction in life. I'm almost 40. I don't have any goals or retirements or nothing. And I'm like, I'm going to have to have a career or something. Within three years, I set a goal. So I had my music career developed. I'm just cutting a lot of the details short. So that's the time that I decided to find my purpose and passion. And I, here's the, the phrase I said to myself, I'm in this for the long run, no matter what it takes, because I know this is what I'm here to do. Yeah, I said, I'm in it for the long run. So here's where it progresses. I start, you know, getting into a whole new world of music. I was like, am I going to buy an electric or acoustic? I had a battle. I said, well, I'm going to start with electric or acoustic. And I was going like, nope, I think it's acoustic. He's solo, don't have to worry about bands. And I said, I'm going to play in alter tunings only. And I said, I'm just going to play in alter tunings and let my heart write the music because I already had the technique. So I go out and get a guitar. Got my first real nice acoustic guitar. And after playing for a few weeks, I discovered my fingers in my right hand were moving weird. It felt this like tension in it. And I didn't know what was up. I'm like, I must be rusty. So during the course of getting back into it, thinking I was rusty, you know, we had a new vision, new story, continue to go forward. I forget about the past. I, was, I broke up when I had my ex-girlfriend. That's right. I had broken up with her. It's when I went forward with the music. That, that's one of the most important things. It wasn't a, a really good relationship, so I let that go. Those past, I had a new vision, a new inspiration to look forward toward. So, as I had this new inspiration to look forward toward, new direction, uh, vision, some purpose, I would go online, you know, look up new music. Oh, let me check this out. Oh, yeah, this guy's awesome. Yeah, and I'm looking up all new guitars and looking up all the different things you can have because, you know, in, this is back in 2005. You know, internet was fairly new still back then. YouTube just came out, I think, five. So I stumbled upon a website, Billy McLaughlin. Wow, he's got some awesome music. He's a two-handed tackler on the net. Something tells me, you know, I'm thinking the way my brain works. And Billy McLaughlin, he's had albums out. Pretty most people wouldn't know who he is, but if you're in the, the finger style, acoustic, instrumental, Wyndham Hill music, uh, like Wyndham Hill people know who I'm talking about. It's a cult following, like Alex DeGrasse, Michael Hedges, guys like that. He's like a Michael Hedges guy. And I was like, let me call Billy McLaughlin. He would probably know somebody, because I live in Alabama. He's in uh, Minnesota. And I'm like, you know, he might know, know somebody, because he plays the same kind of style of music that I'm interested in, that teaches lessons down there. He's traveled around. So I made a phone call asking him that, telling him I was a little rusty and telling him what happened. And he's like, let me ask you some questions. And I was like, why is he asking me these questions? Sure. And I answered yes to every one of them. He had this condition, he has this condition that I cured. And I must have said something that gave him an indication that it was it. And he said, I said, what is it? And he's like, I'm not going to tell you. And he's like, I don't want to tell you. Just go see a neurologist. So I went to see a neurologist in Birmingham. I got diagnosed with having focal dystonia. There was a famous classical piano player, Leon Fleischer had, David Leisner, the classical guitar player. They claim it was from repetitive finger movements, but now from what I know about disease and all, I don't really think, you can't blame it on stuff like that. 
And I didn't give up. I'm like, I want to get healed. They claimed there was no cure for it. So Botox injection. What was it called again? Focal dystonia. Focal, F-O-C-A-L. And Botox injections have been known to work on some people. So they gave me Botox injections. I don't remember it really working. But then when I was sitting on my bed one day, this is the power of being spiritual. Knowing oneself, knowing your purpose, following your path, knowing who you are, having faith in, in the creator. I sat on the bed and I, and I was like, I'm going to overcome this. So I started doing two hands on the neck, you know, tapping on like this stuff. But you don't do it on classical guitars usually. <laughs> it's a steel spring. I mean, and I was using that as a way to adapt when I played. Because I knew I wanted to play guitar and put an album out. My, my goal when I said I had a career was to put out an album, start teaching guitar. And I, I started all that. And the next time I went to play, I was like, no, I want to do the classical tremolo again. I wanted to be able to do it again. And I thought, you know, I've got purpose. God's got purpose for me in my life. You know, there's very deep purpose. And I'm going to get healed. And all of a sudden, you know, we're given intuitions about what action steps to take and where to go. I was given intuition to go see a chiropractor. I found a chiropractor because I had a, he helped me adjust my spine. Neurological conditions come from the spine a lot of the time. I also decided to take some of the classical studies that they went over in college, studying classical guitar, the Moro Giuliani 120 right hand studies and do those every day. And I knew the power of visualization. And I would visualize my fingers working like weeping willow blades in the spring breeze. And I would do these exercises every day. And I was just visualizing fingers and I retrained them like that. So to cut a long story short, it took about like three, four years. I retrained the neural pathways in my brain. And now I can do the classical tremolo again. I know you're not gonna be able to see it on the podcast. I mean, I don't do it all the time. It's a famous song. I, I don't use nails when I play, but and I enjoy myself. And now I even use my pinky sometimes because I can use all my fingers. But the pinky is not used by classical people usually. And the interesting thing about Billy McLaughlin, he didn't get cured from it, but he learned to play left-handed. He totally switched and taught himself to play left-handed. So he retrained his brain in a different way to play lefty. I retrained mine to be able to play it the normal way. And to come to think of it, you know what? What would have been harder for Billy to do it? I didn't think of that. Retraining his normal right-hand way or retraining to play lefty? <laughs> Probably retraining to play lefty is harder, I would say. Yeah. That's really interesting. You know, you hear stories of people having certain disorders going on and I had someone on not that long ago, and they mentioned they had Asperger's and yeah. all these different things that they didn't really know about, but they just, being around music, they were able to move past that. Going from there, when did you start getting back into the music scene? I'm guessing as you were going through healing. Oh, yeah, that was when I was fully in it. Oh, yeah, here, I was fully in it, so- by making cold call on the telephone, I've been endorsed ever since 2005 from a cold call by a thumbpick maker. That helped me adapt because it's actually been flat pick as well as a thumbpick. 
so you can play lead with it too and go and when you have it on your finger you you can let go of finger pick and and then you can use it as a flat pick well what do you play drums drums okay that's my main one yeah and then play trumpet and a few i pick guitar every once in a while but yeah drums is my main one uh-huh so yeah uh yeah, that's when I was doing it. I mean, that's when I was sitting there and planning what I was going to do, where I was going to go. And, you know, I was adapting all along. And, uh, I just knew my heart. I was to play music, beautiful instrumental music that I do right now, which is the opposite of death metal. That's what's weird. Look, death and sickness. I mean, it's it's funny because if we think about all the death metalers I know, I don't hardly know any really that have like hideous problems in life with jail or kill or none of them kill anybody or hurt anybody and but the stuff and the topics they sing about and talk about is funny there are some of the nicest people uh, i'm not saying it because i was in the scene but it's like you think of death metal or a lot a lot of people who aren't familiar with it would think of death death metal people as like <laughs> you know how musicians get stereotypes like the rock and roll guy like the you know, like party animals and wild with the women i mean not, you can't stereotype musicians can't stereotype classical musicians either. They're not all like a bunch of prissy, prudish little suit wearing. <laughs> you know what I'm, you, you know what I'm <laughs> about the stereotype people yeah. have. I mean, there's stereotypes about everybody. Yeah. So right now, what are you doing these days? Like, you know, you mentioned metal transitioning into more like classical type of playing. So what are what's your day to day life look like now that you've healed from the disorder? Yeah, I like to wake up early in the morning. It counters a typical stereotype of a musician. I love waking mm -hmm. up between four and six in the morning, <laughs> and and I never have to get up early, never. And uh, I just do because I like waking up early in the morning, like when the sun come up. I don't always get up at sunrise. It's early, and I. I play my guitar. I do my exercises first, make two pots of coffee, and then I have guitar. And uh, I mean, I play guitar and do business, make phone calls, emails, whatever. During the day, I teach, like, and I I play church also. But anyway, that's that's mainly what my day is like. But being an entrepreneur, music entrepreneur, you know, every day is kind of different. You we have the flexibility and the freedom. One day I might have to do this and go here and do that. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of living like a music entrepreneur. There's no cookie cutter pattern for anybody. But my main thing, what I'm working toward right now, and I've been working toward it for a while, is I would love to compose, because I do instrumental music on piano and guitar, and I can compose any kind of mood, atmosphere, sense of time and place, suspense and tension. Stuff for movies, video games, uh, TV shows, ballet or dance productions. Actually, right now, since I go back to recording, I'm working on a suite of songs. Probably, I might call it a concerto. And I'd like to have get some permissions and have people in a small chamber ensemble perform my music uh, for different organizations. Uh, and I'm just leaving some. Uh, direction like where to go with that at this current moment i have some people i've been talking with on that but i'm ready i mean if someone gives me a movie score or anything to compose for someone's video i was telling a lady yesterday i had a business meeting with a digital marketer 
by local people here. I just joined the barter organization. It's international organization called Trade Bank. You can barter your services. It's great. Look, look it up. I don't know. There, there's chapters in Florida. You spend no money. You get barter dollars. It's great. And the brokers help you get business. It's crazy. And from there, you can get cash business, too. So, yeah, it's great. It's called Trade Bank. Uh, and I had a meeting with the lady, and I told the lady about one of my creative ideas, because I'm always full of ideas. Wedding videographers. I can compose the beautiful music for wedding videographers. And do wedding videos. I sit there and just play the music behind it. I can see the, the bride and the room by a little pond and the flowers. And I go... Yeah, walking down the aisle. Yeah. Now, what about the funny part? Walking down the aisle, I'm like, all of it. <laughs> I'm gonna be funny right here. And then all of a sudden, she trips, and and something gets <laughs> all over her. It'll go from this, like, I'm not being I'm totally humorous. So what kind of businesses, uh, you mentioned you, you know, the music entrepreneur a few times, what kind of businesses have you been working on? Uh, you mentioned you teach. Yeah, right now, my main thing is I'm writing all, all I got to do is get a couple of students, but I started coming up with some content for classes just over the past month to teach improvisation to musicians who have a hard time getting out of their head, just letting go mm -hmm. and not being afraid to just play and to get all the rules that they've learned in their head out of their head and just feel it like a lot of the great jazz people like Miles Davis or Pat Metheny or uh, yeah all the great the jazz players I happen to love Metheny and, and Alex Rossi is not really jazz but he is uh, the, the guys like David Gilmore and Pink Floyd oh, he's massively great at improvising on the electric I play electric guitar too of course played in metal bands if I do it's kind of like uh Steve Vai style with Gilmore to it, but not as fast. I like the Gilmore slow, soulful feel better. So yeah, teaching improvisation class, doing group workshops like on Zoom is what I'm planning on doing to help musicians be able to improvise better. So that that's mm -hmm. one of the, one of the, and uh, the movie score stuff. Uh, any type of composing where I can compose for people's media. I mean, people with podcasts may want music, background music for their podcasts. Mm -hmm. There's something that will do. Any, any kind of media synchronization, it's called mm -hmm. sync licensing. And but custom doing it, what people are calling me looking for, not getting to some library. You know libraries are. I'm in four of those already. And only one of them pays chump change. But I think it's there's got to be, there's got to be a way for musicians and I'm sure this is a pretty sour topic among a lot of musicians. The whole Spotify point oh 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 one. It's like it's hard to make money from the sales mm. of albums and all. But I'm coming up with creative ideas. Like I'm talking with an artist friend about. Uh, I, I'm not going to tell what this mention what this one is, but it's redoing music, something to do with their art, but creating some kind of product. Mm. So I'm always coming up with ideas because of the niche specificity of what I do. There mm. there is a good demand for instrumental uh, music like that. Yeah, it's a big, big demand. 
So what are some things that you've seen, you know, as you approach new musicians, something that people keep struggling with? You mentioned, you know, improvisation. That's yeah. a big, big thing. I mean, people see or believe that they can do it. Um, what are some other things that you, you see new artists, um, mistakes that they make or struggles? To me, in all reality, uh, when I was recording this morning, I thought to myself, we all get in our head at, at times, most of us. I like to meet the musician that's never got in his head. He just uh, be like the, the perfect, and, and, but no, no one believe him. I, when people tell me, I ran into people, I don't have any fear of anything. I'm like, you're full of crap. You don't have fear at all. You're not admitting it. Mm -hmm. I love to have a musician, really, where I know, really, never been in your head? Well, I have something to learn then. But anyway, now most of us, like I said, I go off tangent. Most of all of us are in our head at some time, including me. But what do I notice? I don't want to say mistakes. There's no, I don't believe there's any right or wrong in music, for one thing. Mm -hmm. Music, if we look at it, and I say this to musicians if, when I remember to ask, why do you listen to the music you listen to? What is it that moves you? There's so many questions. If you write this down, all the questions. Well, what is it about the music that you like? And then they're going to give you an answer. Okay, then you can ask them. What if they took the words out of the music and you listened to it? What would you be thinking? How would it feel? Okay. How do you think the music the, it would be if it was words without music? I'm saying, ask all these questions. The sound, the feeling that comes up, the sound vibration you're feeling inside of you. When I tell musicians, when you can feel get the chills or whatever feel the emotion you can feel what you're playing that's your voice that's that's the first thing to talk about in, in my uh, workshop when i do this is to find your voice find your sound find what gives you the chills find what moves you when that happens that's the first step and it, it may sound abstract to those who haven't experienced but that is the first step in allowing your brain to to just blossom and, and, and to allow that right side to flow and the music to just pour out of you you're not thinking and, and using your critical brain worrying about what people think so what you call like the mistakes that get musicians make is and i am guilty of this too worried about what other people think of and you mentioned you you mentioned um we need another whole episode for this we can get yeah. the whole discussion on on this in depth yeah real quick you mentioned finding your voice yeah what's a quick tip or something that someone could use to help them find their voice? oh perfect this works for guitar players or piano the piano player <laughs> huh? i was gonna say who else does it work for no no this particular one i'm gonna give this okay. i'm gonna give this grain of th this is the best thing this is easiest for guitar players it'll also work for piano players too guitar and piano the polyphonic instruments Polyphonic means, people uh, probably know what it means. Polyphonic means you play bass harmony melody at the same time, like when you do chords. Mm -hmm. Like instruments like a flute, you don't do chords on a flute or a clarinet, really. It's just a linear instrument. Mm -hmm. company. Alter your tunings. You don't know how many times I've ran into veteran guitar players playing standard tuning they can play. I tell them about alter tunings. It's like, I can see it. I hand them my guitar. I'm like, this nervousness. Alter tunings, I tell them. Change the tuning. Anything you want. There's no rules with all the tuning. I mean, you can tune the strings to whatever the heck you want to tune it to, and just tune an E string, low E to a D or a C. 
I personally, this is my own personal preference. I don't like putting tension, extra tension on the neck, so I always tune down a little bit. I'll tune the B string up a half step sometimes for the C, but I say change the tuning of the guitar because then you're not in standard tuning. All the chords on the neck are not the same. This is very important for guitar players. I like the guitar players to benefit. And if you do interview guitar players, Eddie, and they, and they give you feedback, please, I'd love to hear what they say, how it's helped you. If I know I could have helped somebody with this tip, it would be great. All right, change the tuning. And since they already know how to play chords, they already have technical abilities, all you're doing is you're getting out of what you learn. You're not thinking C chord, a C shape on the, on the, on the, in the any alpha tuning's not a C chord, a D minor seven's not a D minor, you're like a baby. So if you change the tune, Pretend you're five years old picking up a guitar, okay? Five-year-old's not going to think. <laughs> Five-year-old might even find a nice melody. And just play and put your fingers on the guitar and just start moving them around. Just start finding chords that you feel inside. You feel it deeply inside. And you'll, every musician knows when they feel it. And then when you find that one chord that feels really good to you, you know, all of a sudden you find another one. And then it becomes like you're a kid in a candy shop. It's like, wow, I'm not worried about keys. I'm not thinking about theory. You're, you're, eventually, your song will write itself because you'll have discovered your sound. So that's mm. for guitar play. Just change your tuning and just make, make up chords and patterns on the neck. Good skill guitar for people that already know how to play. They know how to play. They've got rhythm. They know how to pick. They know how to finger pick. However, they normally play. Just alter your tuning. And you'll really connect with your sound. Because what happens in music is most people learn, they go study, this is a C chord, it's an A minor 7 chord, it's a, a, a B suspended chord, add not whatever, major 7, dominant 7. They're learning chords. And they're just taking the learned material and they're just putting words behind it. But they're just being given what they're spoon-fed. They're not learning how to discover the sound. That really moves them. And this is why when we listen to the great classical composers, the modal jazz guys, a lot of them, I mean, there's so many different combinations of sounds. I mean, yes, they study chords, but when they let go, you listen to classical music, they, they understand the feeling aspect, but they're trying to tell a story with sound, and that's what I do personally. Yeah, no, that's actually what I was about to say. It's like telling a story. Like you can use, someone can give you the words. Yeah. But then, you know, it's your job to make the words Absolutely. into an art form. And, yeah. you know, that's what musicians should yeah. be doing. Like taking, yeah, they know the roots and all those things, yeah. but kind of like you're saying, being able to flow and make it artistic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, let me give you the one point I'm trying to think if I can give any advice to other instruments. I've had a fun voice. Yeah. See, I've never really given as much actually that question much thought until actually about a week or two ago because I'm thinking, wait a minute, when I'm designing this class, it's easy for the guitar players all these things. I'm like, what are flute players? What do you? I mean, you don't find a voice playing a linear note like this, playing like. I mean, you create melody. It's when you have the harmony behind it that creates the, the sound. It's like, like here's something I, something I worked on. It's, uh, I just love the feeling. It is. I mean, it's a major chord, but it, it's it all ties in. Here's my sound. I love this. 
major seventh chord. I'll tell you, that's I'm in standard tuning, but I've got to play. Hear that? Major seventh. Suspended. I'm using a lot of major sevens and minor sevens to add nines, but see, I, I those are my favorite kind of chords. But I hate this. Blues players love this, and a lot of. I just I don't feel that. That's for me. I don't feel those dominant seven chords, especially when they played real rhythmically and strum. Sometimes, like with the slower stuff, broken down and played slower and articulated in a different way, they're okay. Like in some of the the uh, gospel songs are. They're enjoyable playing electric guitar, bending them strings and all. But for a linear instrument, I guess I would. That's a challenging question because usually saxophone players, well, they'll, they'll play solo. I mean, but they'll have a backing track or something. You know what? You gave me. You gave me an idea to do something. Yeah. <laughs> personal experiment. I would want, oh my God, I'm going to do this. And I have to remind myself, I'm going to find professional saxophones, flutists, people, violin, people, linear instruments who feel the music and ask them and, and interview them. I'm not, not interview them online, just personally pick their brain and tell mm -hmm. them what, how I tell people how to find their voice. But how do you guys do it? You have back and back, do you, you play along to the, the certain classical compositions, jazz compositions, because by yourself, it's different. So, I mean, saxophone's different. I mean, saxophone solo sounds nice. You can create some nice tones, but I mean, that that's not my <laughs> field of like connecting deep to finding ones that have sound. I mean, I can yeah. play bass on the melody. Um, like on piano, it's, it's the same as guitar. Piano players in the altered tuning, it's the same. All the things for the, mm -hmm. the same. Piano player would just have to close their eyes so they don't look at the keyboards and know what keys they're playing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that would be the best way. And then when they when they put their fingers on something and they find it, find a really nice sound, then they open their eyes and then they can make themselves remember. What did I just play? What kind of chord? Ah, there's my sound. Okay, so I tend to resonate with these kind of chords. So that's what piano players can do. Yeah, and I feel like you can do that with you know, a lot of instruments, because even when I play drums, there are certain patterns that I just really like. I just enjoy them because they make any sound sound good. But then in between whatever song I'm playing or whatever artist I'm playing with, I'll add in something different. That's what's fun about music and in general, you know, you can make things fun and you don't have to keep doing everything that's the same. And it goes back to what you were saying earlier about, yeah. you know, the turtle and all these animals telling another animal what to do <laughs> yeah it's like everyone has you know you mentioned blues doesn't really click with you some people are really into blues and the it's blues about feeling does the feeling right like but you want to know what the funny thing is it's not blues feeling when you're bending and you're sliding that's putting feeling in itself in the music mm. Mm. now one thing i got to tell you about my the, my story and this and this will help musicians too the nine-year hiatus i almost forgot about this when i did not even touch music for nine years, okay. Before I stopped playing, 
I would always loved hearing David Gilmore's slow, soulful solo that I had been playing for 20-something years. I could shred, rip it up like the madman. I remember sitting for hours playing Ingrid Malmsteen songs by ear. I remember learning Far Beyond the Sun, hours. And I wanted to go, I went to my friend's studio to try to do something kind of atmospheric like Gilmore and Slow. I did so many hundred thousand takes to get it right and still wasn't almost satisfied. Then, let's cut to the nine-year hiatus chase. All of a sudden, I get back in, doing solo acoustic. Only been playing a month, and I just, you know, I didn't want to play solo myself. I'm like, I want to play lead, kind of. I want to feel it, you know, single notes, take the pick, and bend, bend a little bit, and play lead over a backing track of mine. So I, I think I borrowed an old tape recorder that's, that uh, she had back in, this was back in 2005. And I just recorded myself, just so I could hear myself play over myself, like a, like a lead back in track. And I played, I played it three times, like a three, four minute rendition I did. And then after the third time, you know, I wasn't recording, I was just doing it for enjoyment, just a jam. I got hit with the chills, I'm like, oh my God. What did I just do? I'm able to do what I struggled with doing back years ago, putting feeling and playing slow with less notes and having space. It just came out naturally. I wasn't thinking about what I was doing yet. And it's because I was out of my head. I wasn't worrying about what other people were thinking. I was just connecting with the music. I connected with the voice. It's all a matter of identity, Eddie. And that, I mean, if I forgot to mention this in the podcast, it would have been crazy. Uh, but that's very important. Yeah. But it was the blues. I feel like that's it. That's the theme of this whole episode. I feel like just uh, finding the identity, being true to it. All right. So now we're at the part of a show that I like to do with my guests, uh, where we just ask some lightning quick questions, just to get to know you a little bit, a little bit better. Are you ready? Yeah. It's gonna be like quick. All right, so what was your first car? Oh, oh man. A 1975 Chevy Custom Deluxe pickup truck. Right now, they're considered classics. They're rust oh. Yeah. It had no <laughs> mufflers. It had open headers. It was so loud. <laughs> one, yeah. one night, I found out there was an incorporated village where I used to go fishing late at night over in uh, Long Island, Stony Brook, Crane's Neck Village. And I didn't know this for like a year after doing this for over a year. The guys at the tackle shop told me they were having a board meeting trying to find out who the loud truck was in one, two in the morning going fishing. You, know, you weren't supposed to be in there unless you're a resident. But anyway, uh, a whole board meeting. That's funny. <laughs> uh, what instrument do you wish you could play? Either an Armenian instrument called the Daduk or a probably a cello. cello hey, you know what? Okay. I wish I could play. I could learn to play one. I can play bass. If you give me a stand-up bass, I'll make music out of it. Remember, get out of the head. Exactly. <laughs> Same thing. It's just I would have to take a little practice. No, but the the, the Duke and the uh, probably the cello and violin. Okay. What is a superpower you wish you had? <laughs> oh, that's easy. Snap my fingers and have like money come out of the sky. So mm, instantaneously, nice. you know, have my have whatever I want. Any moment that yeah. tired. Yeah. The finger power. Yeah. If you could have a song play every time you entered a room, what would it be? Oh, Maroon. Yeah, Marooned by Pink Floyd. By the, yeah. Mm-hmm. From the okay. Division Bell. You have a secret talent that not many people know about. Uh, What would be considered a secret talent? 
That's, I mean, that's the thing. What's secret? I don't know. You tell me. It's your secret, so I don't know. I guess. I like to hunt it, blowing a duck hole. I've mastered the, the art of, of actually making it. It sounds funny. I guess that yeah. could be one of them. I mean, it's a, it's actually an instrument, the reed instrument. Literally, you are controlling the sound. You don't have to pick it up. It's probably just harder to, to learn how to control it playing the, the saxophone, believe it or not. But I'm also a wildlife painter, too. So I don't go around. Uh, I don't write it. I write. But, yeah. but the oddest secret would be the duck hole, probably. Do you use the piece of grass or something? No, no. Or what do you? It's a wooden instrument. I can go get it and show you now for a joke. It's right there. Oh, like an actual thing. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah okay. wood. I got handmade wooden calls. I get. I have one nice. built for me. Made out of exotic woods and stuff. And they got reeds, reeds like a saxophone reed. Mm -hmm. All right. So, what is the best piece of advice you ever received? Man, you're asking tough questions. I've got a lot of advice. Uh, you didn't send me an email asking these questions, did you? <laughs> no. Did you? Oh, okay. I was like, I would have said. When we consider taking an action on something and thinking about what is the real motive why you want to do that, that's the advice. Yeah. And what is the worst piece of advice you've ever received? <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> <laughs> that just popped into my head. That's one of the worst advice. And then last thing, uh, how can I be praying for you? Thank you. That's a good one. How? Could you be praying for me? I'll be honest. I've always said a living prayer. You asked me how can you be praying for me? Thank you. We, I think, as people, unlike I'm not getting into theology, there's a lot of superstition and in religion, I said to be to be a prayer is to be a living prayer for someone. Somebody can help somebody in some way. I'm talking about where it's not that hard to send an email, make a couple of phone calls, talk to someone, or something. That's how we can be living prayers to someone. Answer the prayers, and I and I mean that's the way I answer prayer. If I know someone hates their job, and it's funny because you don't know how many times. I would, uh, I would tell them, well, what would you like to do? What do you really want to do? I might know somebody that might have. And they're like, no. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? I'm thinking to myself, why aren't they seeing this? I will make an email, phone call, soon as I'm done to somebody. If I, if I have a friend, I can give them the dream job. I'm like, and I'm thinking because I'm in the trap door and I know what it's like. My worst, I hate regular jobs. I couldn't hold a job for more than five or six months. Because I have my my purpose and my unique gifts and skill and contribution to this world. So, but anyway, how, yeah, I'm wordy. How can you ask if you know any anybody that uh, movie score that would need any kind of uh, instrumental underscore composing on guitar and piano for any kind anything, dance, podcast, move, movie producers, uh, theatrical productions, anything where you can see fit, or students who would like to. Get some in-depth workshops on getting out of your head and learning how to just let go and be free with music. I'm sure there's a lot of musicians that will love that. Mm -hmm. Help them be free. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to pray for you real quick, and then I'll let you go. So, uh, dear, oh, thank you for today. Thank you for John and uh, just this friendship. I pray that you provide opportunities for him uh, with music and film and all these different things. I pray that you provide the right doors, close the places where he's not supposed to be. I pray that you give him clarity. Um, 
in those ways. And we also provide the right students for him. And I pray that he trusts you through all of this. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, hey, you John. just amazed me. I didn't know you, you're a Christian. Yeah. I am too. No, it's funny because, like, when I'm doing a podcast, I didn't know that. I'm trying not to talk. Really, no, there's a reason why I didn't mention too much. I was going to mention about the church. Well, I mean, you know, it goes back as, to you know, as a business person, it's like it depends. It's um, sometimes you turn people off, and this is why, like, if I share with somebody, I'm thinking, mm -hmm. how do I do this? How do you? I always thought, how do you share the love of God? The love of, because you say you bring it up to people. It creates either oil and water or attracts them. That's why I didn't know, know that. When, when so I, this, I felt a little insecure when I said God to me a couple of times too many. Women. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. It goes back to you being true to your identity, right? Yeah. And I said, I have to say God. That's who I am. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're teaching people that, that they need to find, you know, their purpose, their identity, then you shouldn't be ashamed. Yeah or embarrassed of doing that, you know? Yeah. So, and that's the thing, like for me, I love praying like God has done some great things through prayer and that's how I can serve someone, yeah. but also be able to let them know, I do care about you, I do want to pray for you. And so, I mean, yeah, don't be no, embarrassed like, or ashamed because that's, that's, that's who you are, that's, right? That's great, I know, that's better. I'm glad to know that. About, yeah, uh, so, um, all right, John, so, Someone would like to reach out to you, a student or someone in the music industry, the film industry, something like that. Where could they find you? My website, www.johnjohntinger.com. John Tinger. It's like finger, but with a T. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell John Tinger, like a finger. Cool. All right, well, John, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Wasn't that great? If you learned something, make sure you share this episode with someone you care about. If you have any further questions, you can message us on Instagram at Movement, And also make sure you subscribe to the podcast because there will be many great episodes coming up. So we'll see you next week.